Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by... Oh, I was waiting for some kind of bullshit. Uh, hey, yeah, I didn't do the, intro, the regular intro. I'm just going yeah. right to it. You're just going right this to it. This is a show. We talk about X-Men comics. Welcome. Yep. Yep. And uh, my name is Josh. I also talk about X-Men comics on this X-Men yeah! podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We are back again today. We are covering Hellions number eight, X-Factor number six, Wolverine number... 350 that's my cover so i don't know what your cover yeah yeah, cover, so. yeah 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 and then marauders number 17 so before we get into all that there's a little show called wandavision now if you guys don't want any spoilers we are up to date which is episode five i believe was the one that just came out yesterday if you don't want any spoilers skip ahead uh, maybe josh will put a time code i don't know it's up to you yeah i will yeah i'll edit yeah i can do that yeah Cool. Um, but we're going to talk about it for a little bit and talk about our thoughts on the show and the amazing, for me, the amazing ending last night. Hey, not looking for any WandaVision spoilers in your life? Join Nick and I at minute 23 and we'll talk some comics with you. See you soon. So, Josh, you binged it last night, you told me. I've been I watching it every it, week. I binged it last night. <clears throat> last night, I had watched only episode one previously like right the weekend it came out so however many weeks ago that was um four weeks ago is that what they've been doing okay they did two the first week and then it's been oh. one episode after that okay yeah all right so then yeah so i had no idea what the fuck was going on in this show <laughs> until roughly midnight ish of last night <laughs> and then i was up until like three something in the morning just it grabs straight. you <laughs> yeah like it truly did grab me like i'll probably talk a little bit more about it as when we get into more of the spoilers but like there's just a fucking visceral feeling watching this show that like i don't know if it was because of how late i was up watching it or or what i was um partaking in in my life um but <laughs> it like it brought like it brought an uneasiness to me watching it like the moments where people are like realizing that things are weird and they're not in control felt so palpable that i was like i'm genuinely freaked out by the performances yeah. like it is so good and not just like not just uh elizabeth olsen and paul oh, bettany like the other fucking actors too how they can just switch and just become so eerie it's just uh all right go talk um i was gonna say because you mentioned performances paul bettany looks like he's having so much fun yeah. in this role right now and yeah. i like it's infectious like watching him do these different eras of like Elizabeth Olsen is really good. But for me, Paul Bettany has to balance so much of being vision, being human, Paul Bettany, changing his personality based off the era, the clothes, the aesthetic, but he looks like he's having the time of his life doing all this random shit. Yeah, no, he, he's having a good time. Um, and it shows, and it really, I think he's just like, uninhibited performance is also coming out in the character which just really i think adds to the severity of the reality of it like how happy he can seem how carefree he can seem knowing that that's all fake you know like yeah it's he's like dead. this weird he's the not first even time, yeah the first time we had that hint of like okay what's really happening 
was the scene where the boss was asking about like their past and their family and how come we don't have any kids? Where, mm-hmm. When did you get married? Yeah. And like Vision had a look on his face of like, fuck, he's asking dangerous questions. And like the wife of the boss was laughing, but like kind of scared laughing. Yeah, I'm getting teary. I just thinking of like, there's it, so it a much... weird scene in a good yes. way. Yeah. And then like, like, I kept wondering until last, until the two episodes ago, like, okay, who's controlling Wanda? Mm-hmm. which i still think is a possibility someone initiated this incident yeah but wanda I, yeah. is the one doing this it's been yes. officially confirmed that she's the one doing this and she's choosing to stay in this world i don't believe that she always knew what was happening no but right now she does and she's choosing to stay yes in the world. i i think this show is doing a brilliant fucking job of capturing the the tightrope character that Wanda's always been. She's always yeah. been because she has. She and fucking Quicksilver have always bounced back and forth between being heroes and villains. Like that was always the joke. Like, what side are they on now? Like, oh, yeah, and- people forget her. Uh, Wanda, Quicksilver, and uh, Hawkeye were all villains before they joined the Avengers. Yeah, and Quicksilver and Wanda in particularly were members of the brotherhood of evil mutants you know what i mean like they've been like they're not always good characters and so uh, speaking of brotherhood actually people are finding connections between scenes in the fox marvel cinematic universe and things wanda's doing like the scene where wanda made the guns point at the cops uh-huh. or made the cops change their guns like yeah. the motions the physical motions wanda was doing was almost exactly the way magneto did it yeah. when he put the cops on them like the yeah, no. literal physical motions were almost the exact same it's yeah no weird. i yeah i i had i've just recently watched that movie so yeah i i've picked up on that not the motions but just the the you know yeah someone did like a side side video yeah. comparison and like it's the same hand motions and that's like, crazy and i'm like um, okay that's not by accident like that's definitely not accident. no not <laughs> at all no, the reason I, I told you to catch up on it was because the ending of yes. last night's episode that raises so many amazing implications. Wait, one second, one second, because okay, then we're going to spend everything on that. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, true. I want to say for a second here how fucking amazing it is to see Emma Caulfield in a fucking thing again. <laughs> yes it took me a second like is that Anyanka that's fucking Anyanka that's my girl and like Anyanka has always been one of my favorite fucking Buffy characters so like I fucking love it love it so I was so happy to see her also again in a very eerie creepy role so that was awesome yeah it was funny because I'm like man she was on that sad shit list of women who dared defy Josh Whedon and just didn't yep. get any more roles for a long time. So yep. it was really cool seeing her in that. Yeah. No, I was um, happy about that. And there was just so many, like the, the idea that they catch the aesthetic so perfectly of each era. Oh, of, God, dude. Even like the it was easier cr- for me last night because I've I watched plenty of, you know, family ties and stuff like yeah, that right. in the 80s. So watching that, they captured the aesthetic perfectly. Yeah. And I like grew up right out of there. I mean, I legitimately, I know I'm, I'm not. Like, whatever. I, I grew up on reruns of fucking Bewitched. Yeah. And they did. They captured, like, not only did they capture, like, the original Bewitched, but they captured the very essence of, like, the recasting of the husband. And also, like, when they tried to modernize a little bit because they were on that cusp of 50s to 60s. Yeah. They even, like, went with that aesthetic for a while. It's so fucking great, man. 
and then we have the kids who we know are Wiccan and Speed. Yeah. But then, like, are the kids real? Yes. Like, are I those think... kids actually real? Man, I I don't know, but they're real to her. You know what I mean? Like, well, this last is... episode they addressed that with like she's not making an illusion. That no, t-shirt that was a bulletproof vest is now a t-shirt, but it's yeah. still the material of a bulletproof vest. Yeah, she's bent reality. It's something like here's my working theory right now is that somebody, some entity is manipulating her and and thus fully activating her powers. Mm. And that is why she, I don't think she in it. And that's the vibe I was getting in the last episode. I don't think she fully realizes that she is truly manipulating the reality, which is not something like vision said, this is not something you've ever been able to do before. Or like one of them pointed out, this is not, but it is in the comics. You know what I mean? Like, well, they even mentioned now calling it hex magic, like finding exactly. And also like there, like there was a scene where they're like the, the bad cop was was saying to our our uh, beloved FBI agent like something like, does she have a witty name? And like no one could r- think of the term Scarlet Witch. And, and I, that made me realize like holy shit, they've never actually called him Quicksilver or her Scarlet. Yeah, Witch. but they have called him Quicksilver in the X Men universe, which brings me back to yes, our ending, which was before we even had that moment. There were multiple times in previous episodes, but mainly in this episode where. She mentioned I had a brother and they reference how she can't bring back the dead, which brings me back to my theory. So she says many times when they found their dead dog in the bushes and stuff like that, that um, she can't change that. She can't bring back the dead. And she was telling her children, you have to be able to move on from that. You have to be able to grow from it. But then also telling them not to grow older to deal with it. Yeah. Like to, you, you have the, to do it at its right pace. You can't just yeah. take the easy way out which was funny hearing her say that based off what we're watching. But that goes into my theory. So at the end of the episode, we hear the doorbell ring. And immediately I'm like, oh, shit, it's her brother Quicksilver. Me too, yeah. Yeah, and then we see the back of the head with white hair. And I'm like, there's whatever Taylor Johnson, I forgot his name. Oh, no, I figured it. Oh, well, I I had the benefit of you telling me to watch it. So I just assumed. (laughs) So it it wasn't the original guy who played Quicksilver in uh, Age of Ultron. It was Evan Peters who played Quicksilver in Days of Future Past and stuff like that. And arguably the more popular Quicksilver, too. I would love it, I guess. Not arguably. It's hands down. Hands down. So seeing him made me flip the fuck out because I'm like, okay. And then Darcy mentions she recasted her brother. So here's my theory. She cannot bring back the dead, including Mm -hmm. Vision. So when she took Vision's body from the lab, she realized in that moment she cannot bring him back. She is pulling from the multiverse to change things. So the reason, because it was one part Vision said, how come he can't remember anything before Westview? Yeah. I don't think this is our vision. I think this is a multiversal vision from a different world. And when she wanted to bring back her brother and she can't bring back the dead, she just grabbed one from a different multiverse. Perhaps, but also there was that episode where it was made very clear that it was like his corpse that she was with. Yeah, in the moment. But I think when she realized that she could not bring it okay. back okay so she's you're grabbing from the multiverse because also how'd she bring back an infinity stone 
Yeah, the Infinity Stone wasn't even destroyed on Earth. It was destroyed on a different planet in deep space. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I, she's actually grabbing from the multiverse, which is going to explain why she's in the new Doctor Strange movie, which is called Madness, the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, so their explanation for the rise of mutants is going to be they're from another universe. It could be that I'm not sure about yet, but they're definitely going to be stating a fact. I think yeah. that there is another universe with these kinds of people. And last night I might've been a little messed up, but last night I also thought, what if Wanda seeing this makes her do a reverse house of M? So instead of no more mutants, it's the opposite. If she's the catalyst of all this. it. So my thought, I was very similar. So my thought was very like, the opposite of house event like i was like okay this is going to be a combination this, this is obviously you know having wiccan and speed involved in this is like all right cool yeah. house of m like something's going to happen to these kids and wanda's going to become a fucking nuclear weapon well, people forget in house of m wanda didn't intentionally do any of that it was quicksilver that kind of pushed her in that direction no i do forget that i, I have not read i did not care for that series really so like, i liked it i'm not liking it maybe you have to do an episode on that too <laughs> yeah probably I, I should revisit it um so my my thinking on the reverse house of m was that she was going to realize that her counterpart was missing from that universe you know like where we haven't seen one or she'll find herself and realize that she's a mutant in this other parallel universe and that for some reason something happened in her universe that never allowed for mutants to be a thing and like that she's yet, not supposed to be in the current mcu universe in the first place exactly like okay. that she somehow was like a, an anomaly yes or or she'll just out of grief and feeling like no there should be mutants in this universe people like me yeah yeah like she'll say like she'll somehow fucking populate them rather than depopulate them yeah it's it's really the implications are huge from that ending alone because like it's also a company like marvel studios acknowledging a totally different franchise it's that i mean but i mean again they now own that franchise so it's yeah, fine it's much like everything else in the world they own yeah that. like so that part like yes that people are talking about like the groundbreakingness of it from that and standpoint but like i think this show deserves a lot of credit for being like very honest about the gray areas of the grief that wanda's feeling right now you well, know what when I mean? like, monica was under she said it felt like grief it yeah but like grief but it is it like it is true that she's acting like a terrorist you know what i mean like she is very much the bad guy and also very much a victim and i don't and, fully blame the leader of sword acting i know like nor do I. Yeah. I i think that he's a little too gun happy but yeah. i don't think he's wrong to perceive this as a as a criminal act she's taken people hostage and i'm 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 going to assume that disney is going to get themselves out of this by having it somehow be that some other entity is taking advantage of her grief. And yeah, thus, like we said, Mephisto, yeah. or you were saying uh, Mojo. So, Mojo. So, but here's <laughs> here's my way of still getting back to Mojo, right? So <laughs> go for I'm it, go thinking Mephisto, I always say it wrong, is controlling the whole thing. Like he's just like, you know, he's the fucking devil. He does whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, and so in order, like, in order to like really 
grasp this TV concept? Like, where is this TV? Con who? Why? Why is this TV concept happening? It's not like she grew up on American TV. Like, who's fucking? Well, I was thinking that's what it is because she grew up in a random fake Eastern European town. Maybe they just got old reruns of old shows. I mean, I guess that's that's potentially an, an answer. I I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's got to be something perfect. to that, right? Like, yeah. unless it's just like that whole, unless it's just to really drive home the eeriness of like how insane they are yeah but um so my thinking is the the mephisto is behind all this but like he's also somehow got mojo working for him and thus that's why it's like a tv thing it's possible um shout out to our buddy steve he thinks it's somehow the high evolutionary who has been tied into fantastic four and quicksilver and scarlet witch's history before uh, that's wow. a thing. I don't even remember what the fuck that is. So right on. High evolutionary. Yeah. Uh, it yeah, it's a whole Marvel thing. It it's hard to explain honestly yeah. for Marvel, which says a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's our WandaVision segment of the show. Um, I'm, I think there's still like four episodes left, and then there was rumors about a secret tenth episode. But then I was like, what's the point of having a secret tenth tenth episode? But I think there's only four left. And, yeah. Uh, what is the point of having a secret unless it's like they haven't filmed it yet and they're like we might not get a chance to because of covid so let's just say there's nine and then we'll yeah, surprise them if we can well elizabeth olsen said like get ready because um even though i know how you feel about the episode um spoilers for the mandalorian there is a huge cameo at the end of the last ep i don't want to say what it is but it's a huge cameo at the end of the last episode and elizabeth olsen did say like we have an on par moment in our show and i'm like Who's on par with that iconic character who isn't already dead in the Marvel universe? Like, I think we're going to see Doctor Strange in the end of the show. Like that, I, I put money on. But we've known for a while but that is she's going to be in his movie. Is Doctor Strange on par? No. With hey, friends, it's your uh, friendly neighborhood podcast editor here. I just uh, just want to let you know I fucked up and I, I, try, I spoiled a Mandalorian thing here. So that's what this edit is. So uh, enjoy the rest of this conversation. No, like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is there something else? Like something to do with the multiverse maybe? Like you know, if I fucking see Patrick Stewart wheel in there, I'm going to lose my shit. That's what, what if that, what if it's, what if it's Patrick Stewart? If it was Patrick Stewart, I will lose my What if, mind. hear me out, hear me the fuck out. What if, she meant on par in terms of like insanity that we would even try to do this through a technology that is not quite ready yet. Um, <laughs> that is a good and, example of what happened at the end of Mandalorian. But exactly. Yeah. Right. So if, if, if she meant it in that regard, what if one of the multiverses she pulls from while looking for mutants at the end is the fucking X-Men animated show? <laughs> and there's just he's high, our, everyone he's high <laughs> there's just our beloved x men in the animated what it, that is fucking totally but here's hey the, next week not, should be the 90s it's not gonna happen and obviously i know it's it's me being um inebriated but like again next week is the 90s so you it, know. that's true um but the crazy thing is that is totally something they could do yeah like we they own it all they could do that but also, like, I keep trying to figure out, like, you know, what is the end game of the gimmick of the show? Because yeah. in two episodes, that's it. You've reached modern times. 
so yeah, I'm really happy. It's a unique show. I'm happy it's a slow burn. Um, I'm happy that people who were mad initially because they didn't understand what the show was, even though they kind of told you what the show was going to be before it came out. But there were a lot of people who were like, man, I'm not feeling the show. Nothing's happening. It's like, you got to give it a second. All right, guys. How can like, I, I again, I stay, I don't really see any online chatter, but like, how can you, even after that first episode, how can you think like nothing's happening? Like that yeah, show is nothing but mystery. Yeah. Which, I mean, a, problem. a lot of people can't handle a slow burn. Like, oh, this is a boring, nothing episode. Like, nah, man, it's all going to matter. Just give it a second. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I like, Maybe I'm okay with the idea of a show fucking telling me a story. I don't know. Well, you know, everyone knows what the Marvel formula is, but I do feel like when the formula is more apparent, that's when they try and shift things. I think this is a perfect example of them now shifting totally. And they can, because this is the first Marvel, like this is the first truly, in my opinion, maybe like, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. First real Marvel cinematic TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is their first actual serialized version of a Marvel movie. You know, like this is basically going to end up being what? Like a, I I can't do that. Like a five hour movie, four hour movie. Yeah. Like, well, they even said like the next show, which happens a week after WandaVision ends, I believe, is Winter Soldier Falcon or Falcon Winter Soldier. Oh, which they're going to start that show too? Huh? That show starting soon? It's starting a week after WandaVision. Like concludes? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, so excited for that show. Oh, no, I cannot wait. I cannot fucking wait for that show. I know. But they already said like it's going to be um, six episodes and each one's an hour. So that's like yeah. a six hour movie. Essentially. Right. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. And we already know in that show, someone's going to be playing the character who ends up playing uh, Patriot. So right now in the Marvel Universe, you already have Cassie Lang in Ant-Man. She's already been aged up thanks to time travel nonsense. Then we have the twins who potentially will get older throughout the show. And then we have Patriot. And I believe in the original run, Vision was like their mentor. So like you already have most of the young Avengers in the universe already oh true yeah all they're missing is uh for the original group is hulkling and iron lad so like it's really weird that they're building x-men stuff and young avengers stuff like the the planning since the beginning honestly of the marvel universe is insane at this level like wandavision itself is already branching off to like 18 potential different massive things in the universe like yeah it's crazy so yeah that's our marvel that's our wandavision minute that ends up being half an hour yeah that was more than a minute <laughs> but i hope you guys enjoy it if you don't enjoy it tell us and we might care so now we are going to jump into the comics i have mixed but mainly positive feelings about this grouping of uh, yeah me too books we're starting with hellions number eight i fucking love this book um it really finds the perfect balance of humor and action and storytelling and i love that empath is just he's just kenny yeah he's kenny yeah he's, he, he just just dies he just fucking dies and um because and we're that's doing so satisfying it is and because we're doing reviews differently now that we're just kind of summarizing the book and then talking about it um that's all i'll do right now so the hellions team last time we saw them were on their way to nan to Nan- yeah, Nanny, or for Maker's other one, sorry. To uh, Nanny's ship to get material to make a new suit for uh, Orphan Maker, if I remember correctly. And after that, they're attacked by one of the former 
uh, Hellfire Club members. Well, I can't remember his name right now. Cameron something? Cameron Hodge. Hodge. Cameron Hodge. Thank you. Um, he's returning with a bunch of machines to fight off these mutants. And the moment he starts all of his biblical bullshit, fucking Nanny and Wild Child just go, enough talking. You talk too much. Let's go. And the oh, reaction from Cameron of just like, wait, no, I'm I'm in the middle of talking. <laughs> like his shock to them just ignoring him and going right to the and action. I love that it's like such like a it's such like a callback to like the absurdity of like the old 90s when he was like really like the big villain, like just like all the insane villainry talk of the 90s comics, you know, like yeah. these two just being like, the fuck are we waiting for? Let's just go. Like yeah, no, that was really great. And then the rest of the um, the Hellions decide, okay, we can just fight him and his robots while those two actually do the mission. That's fine. As they're fighting, <laughs> I almost skipped this part where Empath was like, well, there's no minds to fuck with, so I'm just going to leave. And then he runs away. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love that. And as they're fighting all these robots, the I really love that all these robots, you can tell, aren't they're not in control of their actions. Cameron is controlling them. And that plays a big part at the end, I feel. So as they're all fighting, Orphan Maker is doing kind of like her own side mission that will be revealed at the end, which I really like. And do the fucking implications. Oh yeah, God. that is a whole fucking thing. And then we have <laughs> when Empath is captured by one of the robots and he's like, yeah, but I made you regret it. And then it was like, we retrieved him without incident. And he's oh, like, man. shut up, Narc. <laughs> Fucking empath, dude. You like, yeah, it. you did nothing. But I do love this moment where he goes to camera and he's like, well, I'm close to him now. I can tell him that he wants to fuck one of these robots and nothing works. And then he tells him it didn't work because you're a robot too. You're not the actual uh, Cameron. Yeah. I feel like he had a villain name. And I can't remember it, but whatever. I don't, I don't remember was always just other than Cameron Hodge, yeah. yeah um, so that happened, and then he, or when he, when he tells him he's a robot, Cameron orders one of the robots to just punch him in the face, where he's almost dead. But then he's laughing, saying, "You're a fucking robot," and laughing his ass off. So to prove he's not a robot, Cameron orders. So well, he asked the robot, "You can't harm Cameron, so shoot me." So the robot shoots him, <laughs> and he dies. That's so it's just like such like a telling moment, but also so funny, like just like a really great plot moment that is inherently funny, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like some like tr something trying too hard. It's telling a very big and, and important story. And then in the which of like how intelligent has this artificial intelligence become that it's like got splinter personalities now. <laughs> You know oh, yeah, what I mean? Like, someone think he's someone who's not exactly, yeah. but like, so that's crazy and deep and, and scary, but like, it's also really funny and, and deftly handled, I think. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love, um, I love, uh, why I can't remember his name, I'm just gonna keep calling him Scalp Hunter, which is a problematic name. Um, John Gray Crow, Gray Crow, Gray Crow, but his first name is John, right? Yes, John Gray Crow. Um, so he, I like how he goes to Empath and says, uh, healing garden or hatchery? Yeah. Oh, hatchery. <laughs> so, uh, after all this, Havoc is actually kind of making friends with the robot because the robot's like, well, now that we're not, under, we're not under his control, um, mutant equals 
friend instead of evil. Then he's like, oh, it's that easy? He's like, yes, mutant scum, you are our friend. And he's like, can you not call me mutant scum? And he's like, Havoc. <laughs> and like Havoc's having this moment with uh, one of the robots. And then Psylocke has another mission, which I immediately thought was, oh, she's doing a secret mission for Sinister. And it's like, no, this is just the Magneto or Council this, Protocol. This is just a Council Protocol. Which actually does go all the way back to House of X and Powers of X. Yep. Which is awesome. And I do like this little moment where she's like, I have to kill them. But, you know, it's only murder if you consider them living, which I do. And then John was like, well, if you want, I can do it. And she says, you don't have to be the one to do it. I know I see you for who you really are. And you don't have to have blood in your hands today. And I like that moment, too. A lot of nice character moments between them. Yeah. And a lot of I like that they're slowly rehabilitating Grey Crow, too. You know, like making it more of like a gray, like a what what do we call them? Anti-hero more than like a just bad guy part of Sinister's Marauders. You know what I mean? He's like almost low key the main character. Like it's all coming like revolving around him at the end of the day, like his reactions and how he, he handles it really, I feel. I don't know. I feel like it's a real I feel like it's really a there's no one focal. I feel like they're pretty good at like spacing things out. Well, you know, I'm probably thinking of that because of the whole um original what do you call them, Marauders thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, the first storyline was his. Yeah, yeah. His team, yeah. Yeah. So Havoc freaks the fuck out because he's actually making friends with these sentient AIs. And then they all get blown up by a virus Psylocke puts in. Because the council rule is when you meet advanced AI, you have to destroy it and plant yeah. the virus to make sure it doesn't grow because they know in the future machines is what's going to fuck them up. And can't I, I want to take a moment here to like, I had this, this thought where I'm like, the mutant metaphor has always been a rep has been they be they're a representation of um marginalized what you groups. Don't understand. <laughs> what? I was like fearing what you don't understand. Yeah, fearing what you don't understand. But like they very much represent the, the marginalized people, people of color, um, LGBT people, you know, like they've always been a stand-in for those types of groups that the white predominant government perceives as different, that are wasps society perceives as different and i and i feel like they're able they're finally able to do it again now in a modern way with this like ai protocol because even in our modern world ai time and time again is proving to be racist and proving to be bigoted and proving to continue biased for against people with darker skin pigmentation and AI is continually being used to target people like that by different agencies, you know? So like, I do like that there is that kind of modern parallel between what we see the treatment of um, marginalized groups in our world and how it's represented in our superhero crazy world. And again, yeah. I feel like X-Men is the stand-in for that. But also some people can look at it as them being a little hypocritical because if you consider AI a sentient race and they're evolving and growing and you're afraid of what they might do in the future so you snuff them out before they're anything major Mm -hmm. are you doing the exact same thing humans did to the mutants and i I, and again again this is not an this is not something that i should really be commenting on because i am neither of these categories of of people but mutant or robot mutant or fucking robot um 
but again this is like a parallel between the israeli state and the palestinians you know like okay yeah i can see that. you know what i'm saying like it, it is very much like a in their their because they literally know the future <laughs> their, their argument has always been they are against us as a as a race so we have to protect ourselves you know like yeah. and that's what the country is supposed to represent in that way and yeah like i, I feel like again they're walking a very tight line on that just yeah. as i just did and i hope i succeeded on walking that tight line <laughs> I don't mean anything anti-Semitic. I am talking about the government of Israel. Yes, very important. Yeah. I just really want people to understand that. People seem to not understand the separation. Anyway, um, <laughs> I do love the end quote. I'm not skip, trust me, I'm not skipping the uh, baby thing. Yeah, but okay. the end quote of uh, like fire, AI is a discovery, not an invention. Let us not tolerate embers, lest we face an inferno. Yeah, so again... Here we are with a Hellions book and another reference to Inferno. Yeah. Um, so the book ends with them back in uh, their ship, which where did this ship come from? Or That's Nanny's ship. Na- oh, yeah, that's Nanny's ship. Okay, they look different because the, the arms are up. And yeah, like, yeah. oh, what's this thing? Because now so it looks in- like an actual cool ship. Yeah. <laughs> so Nanny is now narr- not narrating, but just doing her own little dialogue, uh, inner monologue, I guess. And talking about how she can make Havoc happier if she showed him what she has, but she, he can't be trusted. None of them can be trusted with her secret. And then we see a little robot baby. Yeah. One like, of the little, ow. one of the AI has developed children. Like they, yeah. they're <laughs> procreating in a way that like just proves the level of, which again, the robots they just encountered is a version of the the phalanx yes yeah so like this is very much tied into the house of x shit but like oh yeah no this is all intentional for sure like holy fucking hell man like a it's baby? more of, yeah it's more of they might be creating their own bad future because they're trying exactly to stop yes like yeah exactly a, a, a paradox if you will yeah um yeah it's I don't know where this is going to fucking go. It kind of reminded me. Did you ever watch um, The Last Blade Runner? No, I didn't. So the main plot, it's a fucking incredible movie. It's one of my favorites, honestly. It's so underrated. But um, the main plot was when they found the body of a replicant, which is what they called androids in that universe. But they found the replicant's body and can tell that it had a baby. So the whole plot is them trying to find this natural born android that's crazy yeah it's if you want to see phenomenal acting um from uh i can't say his name now harrison uh, ford no actually that was the first movie i think in a long time that he gave a shit and he showed he had a scene in that movie that almost made me cry this is very impressive was was that incredible that was 2049 before um Force Awakens? Yes. No, it's after. You don't think he gave a shit in Force Awakens? I think he was there. Like he wasn't bad, but like in the scenes in Blade Runner, like the emotion he gave me as someone who doesn't really care for the original Blade Runner, phenomenal. But uh, but yeah, this reminds me of the plot of that where it's like, how did this these yeah have a child, Mm -hmm. and now we have a android or a robot baby just there in the hands of a psychopath in the hands of fucking nanny 
we don't want Nanny anywhere near fucking AI that could grow up to hate mutants. Or think of the possibilities. Look, Orphan Maker will murder anyone who goes near Nanny. Think of what a, a mutant-loving AI could do. Yeah. Think of the safety of Krakoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that is Hellions number eight, and I give it five X's. Five X's here, too. Good stuff. All right. Next up, we have X-Factor number six. All right. You tell us all about that. All right. So X-Factor number six. We start off with um, a scene that really we should spend seven episodes on, which is Rachel and Lorna just broing down and talking. But I just want to take a moment to like emphasize just what a ridiculous like MTV real world. One of those like dumb 90s house fucking sitcoms these people are living in. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, is this like some reality show i couldn't think of it it is like this this just feels like they're just like everyone's just like oh dude we all live together (laughs) like and we all want a bone (laughs) it's just like it's like it's (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous that they like they're just choosing to live they don't have to but they're just like this is our home we all live together why why is that the case Literally a full island of places they could go to. I know they all could have their own home, but they've all chosen to live together for reasons that no one has explained. <laughs> so anyway, it, the, the book opens with Lorna being really grumpy in the morning because the previous night she had gotten uh, what I think is implied drunk and horny and, and called Alex. Mm. So I really, really hope there is another side of the story that we get to see in a Hellions book. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, the the it the basically it takes a minute to build to the story, which is um that's what was the, worrying me actually. When I was reading, I'm like, are we getting into anything though? Like yeah, I know. I feel okay. I really I'm so torn with X Factor because I truly do love the characters and and how they're being written and i think it's very freeing and very expressive and and i love seeing some beloved characters with this new sense of like pride and and just humanity but at some level it's also like a little like oh my god just everybody calm down why is everybody so over the top what is happening and that's coming from an x-men book it's it's like (laughs) it's like the most soap opera the x-men have ever been yeah but again i love a good soap opera x-men so i'm in it i I dig it but like for even for me i'm like "Mm, this is a very sweet dessert but it is real sweet sometimes you know what i mean like when they get to what's important in the story it's really good right oh my god there's so many implications come on josh all right here we go the quips (laughs) what I said, come on, Josh, we didn't get past the quips. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of like, let me let me be cute. Let me show you how cute my writing is. And then it's a lot of season. <laughs> get real geeky with it. It's a lot of season four, Buffy. But mm. like, want to get to like season three, season five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicely, uh, I, nicely really done. <laughs> nicely done. I But I get it. And I feel it. And I think it's on. Um, we're going to have to come up with a Buffy. This is the second Buffy reference we've made now. So I'm going to have to come up with a Buffy theme or title for the show now. <laughs> anyway, this is very much the Buffy uh, series. So anyway, they're called in to investigate Empire. Siren's death. Sorry. What, what was that? 
empath the robot slayer empath the robot slayer <laughs> um so they're called in to investigate another death which is siren and we last left siren dead but as they say quickly on in this episode she's already been resurrected this is post the resurrection of siren so like what like what the fuck's happening so x factor is doing their own investigation they're all getting to use their powers and, and do more of that mutant science combination shit that like we've been really enjoying, like seeing how their powers what interact. They call it again? I can't remember what they called it. Um, the actual term they use for mutants teaming up with their powers. Was it not? Was it mutant science? Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. Something like that. I don't remember. But um, new mutants though. Uh, yeah. So like, iBoy really got to stand out in this episode. Yeah. In this, it was like Trevor's moment to shine. So shout out to him. Yeah, I'm digging iBoy. Yeah, so iBoy's doing real cool. He's learning like new things about forensics. Everybody's having a real dope forensics time trying to figure out why the fuck Siren died. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because I'm just going to stick on the Siren plot for a minute. So Siren gets resurrected and X-Factor like starts asking her, so what's up? What's up, girl? Like, Second time you died in a week. Like, <laughs> any idea why? Like, what's going on? And like, she's getting very defensive. Like, why are you guys asking me questions? You know, sometimes a girl just dies. Why are you bothering me about it? And you, she's like storming off. Um, and so everyone on X Factor is basically some kind of human lie detector. They point out. I did and like so, a little panel of like how yeah. they all know she was lying. Yeah, like based on their powers. I thought that was, that was really good. cute. It was a really f- quick way to kind of like illustrate especially prodigy and iboy's powers yeah. since they're like newer characters you know um well, no i'm digging iboy a lot oh i'm digging him a lot too different so, layers of things he can see oh like, so cool so cool but i love that like he's clearly because of how good his vision is they keep making this reference to like how like he's he's got more of like an auditory like fetish you know like he likes the sound of of prodigy's voice and it comes up like several times that it like yeah, relaxes, like that it like relaxes him a little bit like it's it's kind of interesting that like that's where anyway um so they all know she's lying to her and so lorna who is he goes back a ways with siren to you know the last iteration of x factor i believe like confronts her and be like why are you lying to me and there's a moment where lorna is just like a Polaris is just like don't fucking try to belittle me, man. I'm a fucking powerful mutant. And she has like, she has this like beautiful panel of her, like doing her magnet powers. And she's calling her, she says, I am a big gun. And it's such like a fucking awesome Lorna moment, but they have no idea why she's lying to her. And then Siren uses a power. I forgot she had too. Maybe I never knew yeah, she had that it. That was real creepy. Uh, so she does this weird transfixiation uh, sonic hype, uh, sonic hypnosis is what she calls it yeah and she like implants she hypnotizes and implants into one of her dearest friends that she's going to sabotage any effort to figure out what's going on with her now and if she dies again she's they're gonna not ask any questions about it and so in that moment i'm like that's a weird power to have well is it her name's siren exactly also she uses her powers mainly to fly. Does that make any fucking sense? So I, I just said, shut up, Nick. It's fine. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I, it makes total sense because it is a play on the, her name is a play on both of her powers. She, yeah. she has the sonic scream with like a siren and, or a siren of the sea, you know? 
<clears throat> so the other the other plot line going on in here, because that's how the book ended. The other plot line going on in here was Prodigy um, really understanding that like there's a lot of undiscovered biology and science yeah. to where what they're doing in Krakoa now. And he very practical. Yeah, like so like you're so practical and so like also like emotionally like i love how people several times approach him on like okay i know that your mind is very clinical but what you want to do has a very heavy emotional toll are you sure you want to do this and he's like yep, yep. backyard <laughs> yeah anyway so anyway what he's doing is he's he's learning from um dr reyes and he's and he's learning more about science through his his ability to pick up everything he can through everything a person knows through their proximity and he's trying to figure out what their physiology is now what happens to their bodies when they when they pass away like they come back in a new shell what happens to that old shell does it decompose at a different rate what do you do with our old bodies anyway Mm -hmm. which is a fair question and they don't give us an answer they she just depends on she says it depends on why you're asking and the next thing we see is him asking north star if they can do this in their house which again why is north star the dad i do like that they call that out his yeah. husband is i can't remember his husband because like this is all his idea basically more maybe yeah yeah but like he is like he the way he like communicate even with like um oh shit dakin you know like how he was like i don't believe any of that i need you to do this for me but also i want to believe it so bring me back good information, you know, like bring me back good news and like, just that like leadership and, and like almost parental, like I want to be able to tell her that we, that she's okay. You know what I mean? Like that parental thing, like, come on, let's bring back good news so we can make Lorna feel good. Yeah. Like, like he, he's got like this parental vibe going on that like does not compute with this character f- from even like, a year ago you know what i mean like yeah, north star I, I, is a selfish prick yeah i did like that moment though where he's kind of trying to comfort uh laura and then dakin's like do you believe any of that yeah, yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah yeah that moment's really nice and like the way he was like i want to be wrong exactly so that's what i mean yeah wrong. like that kind of moment was like it felt mature like mm-hmm. i'm still me but i'm gonna try better and i'm gonna comfort my friend at the same yeah time, and we're gonna figure out what's happening so yeah, no, I, I really like that book. Um, I, again, I was halfway through, I'm like, are we getting to anything? But then when you do get there, it's, the payoff is worth it. I feel it really, like it, X yeah. Factor is one of those books that's becoming like, this would read great as a trade. Oh, I can't. I, I really do look forward to seeing it as a trade. Like it, it, it will be one that I feel like I would recommend to people. Yeah. Well, I'm actually waiting. Um, this is relevant to what we're going to talk about next eventually. Um, they are putting a deluxe edition of Marauders out, which is oh. like the first two trades in a bigger book. Nice. And I'm really excited about that. That's why I didn't buy the trade yet, because I just want to get that trade. I might get that too. Bigger art and um, just better yeah. in general. Uh, I give that book oh, sorry. three and a half X's. Yeah, I, I gave it... I I we can Since we're doing halves, I'll do three and a half as well, because th- it, there was too much of it being too cutie you know like too cutesy yeah for my taste but again that's Same. my taste like i i understand that sometimes i'm not the target audience and that's perfectly fine it might be amazing for a teenage boy or girl yeah right like I, again i might not be the audience for that and that's cool and if the audience for that is loving it and getting them into x-men shit i love the fuck out of that 
like I always tell my uh, Star Wars friends, remember, all of this isn't just for you. It's no. for younger people no. to enjoy it so they can love it in the future. Yeah. Don't gatekeep anything, people. It's not yep. good. Um, and that's so- never what we mean by the ratings. Our ratings are very personal to us and by no yeah. means saying like this was bad for everybody to like. <laughs> so next up, we do have something that should be bad for everyone. Um, we have- Yeah, honestly, for real. <laughs> Wolverine number eight, or celebrating 350 issues of the best there is. So when I saw that on the cover, I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be some, some crazy shit in this issue, right? Right, Josh? Is this crazy issue so memorable to you? Yeah, I don't remember a goddamn thing about this issue. I read this issue less than a week ago, I think, and I remember nothing of it. All right, here's the, 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 the bullet points. Wolverine goes back to the dude to just talking about what's happening behind the scenes in the CIA. And he's like, let's just talk for a minute. Be buddies. Like, sit down. We both have war stories. Let's talk about it. And they both mention shit they've been through in their life. But, of course, Wolverine's story relates to what's happening in the main story because coincidences. Um, We find out about Team X, which was like Weapon X team, essentially. The early version of Weapon X, which was him, Sabretooth, and... um, Maverick. The Maverick, yeah. And I think, I want to say, wasn't Omega Red part of the original team? There, I, I think at some point, I don't, I don't remember, man. Yeah. So I did not keep up in the 90s and early 2000s. I did not keep up with my Wolverines and, and Cables and Deadpools. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I wasn't really into the, the X-Force type yeah. until, until X-Force became a little bit more heady and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't into the action X-Men, if that makes sense. Yeah, so during all this, um, the dude tells Wolverine, hey, just so you know, the CIA is watching stuff that you're doing in a place called the X-Desk. And then it pans out and we see they're also watching them have their conversation. Yeah. So, in that, I'm like, okay, okay, we're getting somewhere now. And then we go to a whole another story. Here's the other story. A bunch of guys in suits are stealing secret stuff from a facility and we see that all they stole from what we saw was Wolverine's dog tags. And I'm like, okay, they killed people. They broke into a building to steal dog tags. Like, that's kind of weird, right? It, but also, why were the dog tags so heavily protected? You know, like, what, what's the significance of them? Yeah, in my head, I was like, is it because the government, they don't want the government People, they don't want people knowing the government used to work with Wolverine back in the day. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe even then, the dog tags destroy them. Whatever. Yeah, I have no idea, man. But then we go to our other story. This is the third story already in this book. Um, back to Omega Red and his whole thing about working with them and telling Wolverine, I wasn't there when the vampires took you. I wasn't the one who took you out of the water. I didn't make any deal with Dracula. It's all bullshit. It's, I it's did like the scene though. Like all the shit that we have seen yeah. with our own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the scene a little bit though, because the first time that I can remember in this whole House of M, House of X story, and House of M, House of X story, that the Wolverine side of the family is acting like we're cool with each other and we are a family. Yeah. Like I think this is the first time too. Us. So I love seeing Wolverine and Dakin work together. Like that makes me like physically happy. Because yeah. like I was reading when he debuted and when he acted like he was Wolverine for the Dark Avengers, when Wolverine had to drown him and murder him at the end of the Rick Remander X-Force run. Like seeing them as father-son is awesome. Yeah. 
And there's actually a really good uh, underrated mini series. I think it's just called X23 versus Wolverine. First Dakin, sorry. X23 versus Dakin. Oh. Because they're basically brother and sister. Yeah. And it was kind of about that. I think it took place in Japan too. So like all they're missing is like Lady Deathstrike. And I would love to see what that dynamic is like now. Yeah. Especially now that Wolverine kind of lives with the Summers family. He has, I, I feel like Wolverine has homes in a couple places. You know, he's a man, Wolverine's a man that has a home in, in many places. Yeah. We also learn that. No, I'm sorry. Wolverine is a man that has a house in many places, but a yeah. home in, but a home in none of them. <laughs> so edgy. Um, we also <laughs> learn that Beast has made a Danger Room-esque place for the X-Force. Yeah. So they can map out crime scenes and stuff like that. And that's how they realize that Maverick is the one behind this mission. And Wolverine, of course, knows him. And we know he knows him because he mentioned it at the beginning of the book. Out of all his war story memories, he talked about that one. So they want to know what the hell's going on. And eventually Wolverine captures one of them while they were trying to break into Dazzler's house. Yes. Where, like, these sonic wolves attack them, which was pretty cool. Yeah, because Dazzler's the best. Yeah. And then Wolverine... Traps one of them, puts him on the beach, and like puts his head just above the sand with the ocean coming, the tide coming yeah. in. It was nice. And he tells them basically there's a secret place in Madripoor that they want rare things. They want rare items to figure out what's going on. And I didn't feel bad for him because like, he's also asking about his dog. Yeah, because he's the same guy they, they, the beast basically planted a fucking tracker on this human being. So that's why they were able to like so easily capture him. Yeah. And like and as he's talking, <laughs> he's just shot in the head by Maverick, right? Yeah. Or we're yeah, led to we're assuming, Maverick, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't I don't remember. No, I'm looking at it right now. Like we don't actually see Maverick. Yeah. But we him. And then uh, we see it's time for Wolverine to go undercover at this fancy auction. So he come uh, he brings back his patch disguise. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, part of me, and this is kind of like when Bruce Wayne would become Matches Malone to go underground in the city, you know? <laughs> Doesn't everyone know Patches Wolverine? Like, when Bruce Wayne does it, it's because no one knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. So yeah. he puts on a hat, he puts a mustache on, and acts differently, and then you don't know that guy's Batman. Wolverine has a very distinct look, even though I think they slicked back his hair a little bit. But still, he's also like four foot seven or some shit. Yeah. Like, there's not many people with the body structure of Wolverine. Yeah. And that's how the book ends with him going into the room where they're going to have this auction. He's only supposed to observe. Not yeah, that's going to that's gonna work. Yeah. You're sending in a Wolverine saying, don't cause violence. That makes You're sending him on a covert mission. Like, I know he's done covert missions, but they've only stayed covert because he murdered everybody and they couldn't talk. <laughs> not, so, be not because he's good... Wolverine is the loudest ninja that's ever been a ninja. <laughs> yes, very true. Um, so, yeah, this issue wasn't good. I'm sorry. It's not like, good. It bounced all over the place. I honestly didn't care about any of the places they were bouncing off of, other than maybe the de- the X desk and like the CIA situation. Sure. We jump away from that. Though, literally, the moment each story got interesting, we yeah. jumped the story. Yeah, I, I gotta t- I gotta be honest with you. I am so far exactly where I thought I would be when it was announced that there would be a, a solo Wolverine book, and I'm like, I don't recall ever truly liking a solo Wolverine book. 
I'll try I remember again. The vampire story a little bit, but no, I hated that one. Well, here's the thing: I liked it when we first read it in the first issue, but then we jumped to a different story. That's the problem. We're jumping yeah. too much. Like nothing's concrete anymore. No. Like, and and this one issue, we literally jumped into four different stories that vaguely connected. We're spending way more time on this than we thought we were going to. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to give it credit and explain what happened. While it is. But it like, is still it is right there with X-Force for me is still being my least favorite of the these books. At least even though it's the same writer, which is weird. I think it is. I find X-Force at least consistent. And there have been moments where I'm like, that was fucking cool or that was really. Well yes, I, I, I find them both to be a little below where I think they could be. Like, I think I think Benjamin Percy is a great writer. Like, oh, his Green Arrow run. Is yeah, cool. like I I like his work and, and I think it's there. I just think it's. Like not for me right now. Like I'm not digging it. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, there are definitely moments in X Force where I'm like, yes, oh my god, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, and the art helps too. The art in X Force is just tremendous. Yeah, yeah, very good. But like, we have moments in X Force with Beast and like him getting a little darker and Gene tired of it. And yeah, moments. Well, that book has Gene from time to time too, and you know, I'm always gonna be on board for that. Even like moments with Domino and Kid Omega. Yeah. Owens Wolverine when he was cut in half and still tried to kill someone. And that was, yeah, fun. that was fun. That was cool again, but, like, but that was the art that made that cool. You know what I mean? Anyway, but this book, I haven't felt those moments of like, fuck yeah, Wolverine did it again. It's more no like, way, man. Yeah, here's Wolverine again. Like <laughs> the only moment I remember from this Wolverine series is when he was possessed in the boat and his hands were just at 10 and two. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. So I give that one and a half X's. I gave it one X. Yeah. I'm blaming. Yeah. So that was All that. Right. So we're yeah. going to wrap up today. Our last book. What was that? Uh, yep. Good. Our last book for today is Marauders number 17. Here and, we go, uh, baby. The honors of talking about this really fun issue. This was a really good. This was a really good one. So like another, another good one for Marauders. <laughs> like here they go again, just hitting a home run whenever they need it. Uh, this is the book that can get here's here's a baseball analogy for all my baseball listeners. Marauders is the book that can get you on base when you just need to get on base, but also get you a home run when you need a fucking home run. And they got us a fucking home run today. So <clears throat> they follow up the last issue of their revenge plot, which was amazing, with another amazing fucking issue of now what happens that they are fully in control. So we re- revisit the past in the beginning where we see when Emma is, is communicating with Lockheed to determine what happened to Kate and which leads in later when they find out there's trouble in Madripoor and Kate's on her way there to pay the family that rescued and, and helped Lockheed yeah, to, like to, to, to like reimburse them for that trouble. And that and Kate realizes there there's an issue there. So like, I like that we that we get that little reminder of that and and then a payoff of it. But so the story we see is that part of their revenge plot initially involved maybe taking out Shinobi as well, because they basically just straight up bring Shinobi out of a date that he's on with Emma's brother, <laughs> and uh, like is just straight up mind wiping him and thinking and to, or not mind wiping him, but like they telepathically check out to see if he had anything to do and he had nothing to do with it. So they let him live. But like she had, she had fucking uh, Callisto there ready to fucking murder Shinobi. If he had anything to fucking do with the murder of Kate. And that's fucking yeah. wild, man. 
which also because we're gonna get to it later um i didn't know callisto was still human and i didn't either so i also don't know her powers to be honest her powers are always vaguely defined which is basically she is hyper perceptive she is very aware of movements people make she's very aware of like the environment around her she's just all of all of the per- she perceives things differently is how like it's always whatever convenient way that explains in a plot when they need to is what they do basically because okay. like when her when her body changed at the end of the issue i'm like does she have prism powers what no it? what that that was more of like i think a, a, a artistic rendering of mm-hmm. what she was feeling you know what i mean um so we discover early on in this issue that callisto does not have she's still depowered after um the the events of the great pretender and um another book referring to her as that referring to scarlet witch as that yeah like just as as one does you know yeah. like just so I anyway know this now it's a thing yeah so anyway callisto is there to see storm and she tells she's climbed her way to the top of a mountain where storm is storm knowing that callisto is doing this yeah. and letting her do it because she understands that what Callisto is about to ask her is so important that she's willing to climb the side of a mountain to ask her for it. And what that is, is Callisto asking Storm to be the one to perform in the, fuck dude, I forgot the name the of it. Crucible? The Crucible? The, the Crucible, thank you. To, to perform the Crucible with her, which was the ritual of battling and dying as a human to be resurrected in your correct with your correct powers intact and in, in who you are as a full person intact well your description of her powers makes sense now because in that panel she was saying how the world feels fake to her yeah she doesn't understand everything it's like driving her crazy yeah she's also probably more blind than she's ever been now because yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean um, so like storm at first and, and again this just calls back to the deep fucking relationship these two characters have and friendship oh, yeah, and also like hmm, what great callbacks oh oh my god so already playing at my heartstrings with this with this fucking ask of her like just the vulnerability to ask storm to do it and storm and again these two know each other so well she also knows that storm is planning on leaving the island for a while so yeah. like She's like, please, like, again, she doesn't have her perception power. So she just knows Storm well enough to know something that Storm hasn't told anyone else yet. Like, yeah. that's how fucking close these two are. And she says to her, no, at first, Storm says, no, I'm not going to do it, which is like, oh, my God, damn, like just such a buildup. But anyway, so moving along, we go back to the island that Emma bought, or Magneto helped Emma purchase from fucking yeah, Namor. Exactly. Oh shit, that's what this is. This is the yeah. island. <laughs> so she, they're there. Um and see the huge structure that she's bought off of Krakoan land, off of the books. It's just hers. It's just hers. Like it doesn't belong to Krako. It's just Emma's fucking island now. Like, holy shit. And the plot here is that they're planning a gala. They're going to hold a gala for world human world leaders and and dignitaries and just heads of like state like you know what i mean like we know that's where we're gonna find out who's in the x-men also and yes they say when that happens in the invitation and the new the the roster of the new x-men shall be revealed i love that they're just presenting is this gonna be like an event book or like a? I don't know i don't fucking know i'm so fucking excited or something (laughs) right oh maybe that'd be exciting so 
that's basically that plot um and again she's wheeling she's wheeling Shaw around to see all this and there's a fucking phenomenal moment where she mentions to fucking Shinobi how how very similar his powers are to another jaw dropped <laughs> and like just the ability to like call into question his his fucking like parental like lineage in front of him and have him not be able to do shit like emma holds uh, all like, um, like henry leonard henry uh, leland i think leland? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah um but yeah like there's just one of those moments to just really drive home the fact that emma holds all the cards right yeah. now like there's emma has so much power right now like monetarily and mutant wise <laughs> Well, the look um, Sebastian Shaw gave was like, shut the fuck up, please. Like, I think he knows the truth. He might, maybe. Like, it's the it's the idea that she could expose it. Yeah. Like, this guy will no longer have control over that other guy if he knows there's no blood relation and they don't yeah. even like each other. Yeah. So... <laughs> so the third plot in this book is Kate like I mentioned, delivering a, a, a monetary reward to the family in Madripoor that took care of Lockheed. And when she gets there, she realizes that the the Vendry government, whatever the fuck that that little kid the Hellfire. What? The four kids, the Hellfire. The yeah, Hellfire Club four kids thing. The Hellfire, yeah, yeah. So that group that's now in charge of Madripoor is basically trying to like clean out this low income they're basically trying to gentrify an area of Madripoor so they can put up more uh, business. So Kate's like, oh, hold up. I can, I, can, I can take care of this. And so she docks to Emma and they basically just buy that area, including like space, I think like airspace around it, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe I'm getting my books mixed up. But like she owns like a, just an area of that of Madripoor now. Yeah. And so... They just did it under Hellfire. Like, as the ex-desk report proves, they just did it as the Hellfire Club. They didn't even do it as a shell company. They just, like, openly bought land. Like, Well, they're saying how the business is growing almost faster than they thought it would. So that yeah. changes now. Like, having more places to run business, that's for everyone. If we're going to actually run business everywhere. So I want to take them... Like, so that's basically the plot. So the the crux of this fucking book is the 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 ending the crucible that was alluded to in the beginning so callisto goes through with it she's like i i'm gonna do it without storm then and she goes there and and silver samurai is like well i'll kill you if you want me to and she's like hmm. he's like or fucking what is it, like a fen the fenris fucking yeah, twins are up here the i love that they're like those racists <laughs> yeah even yeah she's like no but then in this moment a crack of lightning comes down storm comes down callisto like it has her back turned to her and she just like doesn't even flinch there's just like the art of her just not even flinching not even really doubting for a moment that storm would do this for her and again does not have her perception abilities like yep. I just really want to emphasize the closeness between these characters because I think a lot of times it's not it's not talked about. Well, she mentioned that cliff scene where it's like, well, didn't you fight to become whole again? Remember yes. how you used to fight? Yeah. Like I was waiting for a little thing in the corner saying, read Uncanny X-Men issues, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, read Storm Life Death. Um, so anyway, I actually found a copy of. Uh, <clears throat> oh, awesome! Yeah, I almost, I almost got the trailer. Then I'm gonna buy it next time because you can't really get it online cheaply, like normal yeah. price. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Awesome. Um, so anyway, so the Crucible begins, and these two weirdly defined friends. Yeah. Have this battle, have this actual fight, because the Crucible cannot be done unless there's a valiant effort made like it can't it has to be a valiant sacrifice so they truly do fight and storm instead of dragging it on and knowing that like she can make this fight worthwhile she just punches her gently it almost like just gives her a punch right in the chest and lightnings her fucking heart so that she just dies gently like she just stops you know what i mean like and then she holds her like I'm take like I, I know we said we're just going to summarize, but I really want this to be emphasized. Yeah, and then she holds Callisto's dead body as the weather turns the weather she's in control of, you know, like so it yeah. turns rainy and snowy and sleet and dark because she's sad that she just killed this woman that she has such a deep relationship there has that moment she's holding her crying. She knows she's going to come back whole. She knows she's going to come back how she wants to. But having to do it. Yeah, it still sucks. It's just, oh, such a fucking wonderful moment. And then she comes back and having Storm narrate how Callisto is now fully whole and now feeling truly at peace in this land for mutant. This Morlock, the leader of the Morlocks, a woman who used to live underground because there was no land for her, is now in a land that she can feel and it's all hers and she doesn't have to hide. Like, I just love how they ended that with yeah. for Callisto. And then it ends with Storm basically saying, now that that's happened, I can leave and I'm going to take off and we don't really know what Storm's up to next. So I'm I'm really interested to see what Storm's up to after this. Awesome. So I I gave it 5 Xs, I'm assuming. Obviously, I gave it 5 fucking Xs. Another fantastic issue. Um so guys, next time we will be doing Sword number 2, X-Force number 16, New Mutants number 15 and Excalibur number okay, six. Okay, cool. That's what I got. All right. So, all yeah, right. guys. Um, we will be doing our ranking all the Marvel X-Men movies eventually. Fox uh, X-Men movies. Yeah, sorry. That will have to be a distinction in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> um, how far are you in your rewatch? I haven't. I, I'm going to... Um... I'm going to talk to Lady Baltimore um, later to see if she oh, wants to to see if she wants to pick it up um, again or if she's done watching. And then I'll because right now <clears throat> I should be on X3. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I do want to start watching um, again. So once I consult with her on where she wants to go on this, I'll decide how many I want to binge at a time. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing it in timeline. Yeah, order. I know. Ugh. So I had, to, I had to do um, so far. I've done first class, which is still fantastic. Um, Days of Future Past, and then the uh, then Wolverine Origins. Ugh. Yeah, because that's chronological. I have to do that one first, and man, that really took the sales. <laughs> yeah, really, like really. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Please, uh, you know the you know the. the fucking thing we always say to do subscribe like yeah those are things friends yeah you mm-hmm. follow us on twitter no five stars or fuck off five stars or one star five yes. stars or one star we're not indecisive here much um 
you pick a you pick a you pick a spectrum and you stay on one far end of it okay yeah, that's how um, so um, where where else but if they wanted to just follow us on twitter like say where, where could they find you you can find me at madman3005 where can they find you josh you can find me at xbrarian that's librarian with an x god damn that's so clever thank you i appreciate it <laughs> all right guys well until then we will see you Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch.